This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Paul in Rome. Yeah, so let's talk about Paul arriving at Rome. Um, Clayton, what we've been what we've been following Paul doing for the last hot minute here? Traveling, traveling, and why is he going to Rome? Uh, he is going to Rome because he's being transported as a prisoner to Rome. Right. And why are they transporting him there? Um, to keep the Jews from killing him. Yeah. Well, remember Paul asked to go there Mm. because the new governor comes in, uh, Festus comes in, Festus or Felix, one of them, I get them mixed up in what the order was, but one of them comes in two years later. And he gives Paul an option. I can oversee this and I can try your case in Jerusalem or what do you want to do? And Paul says, I want to go to the emperor. I want my trial before the emperor. So they start moving him over there. And so it's the Roman Empire. Where's the capital of the Roman Empire? Italy. Italy. Uh, And specifically in Rome. So Paul has been headed to Rome for this entire time. Uh, literally awaiting everything that is coming to him. Um, and he has no idea what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've been traveling, and traveling in the ancient world is very difficult by sea, and uh, they end up with a shipwreck in the island of Malta. And then picking up in verse 11, this is what the text says. Three months later... Sorry. Three months later, we set sail. That's a long time. Yeah. That's, um... They stayed in Malta for a hot minute. Yeah, that's a whole quarter of a year. Yeah. Right, if you think about it, you got 12 months in a year. That's a whole quarter of a year. Um... So they wait three months, and they set sail on a ship that had wintered at the island... An Alexandrian ship with the twin brothers as its figurehead. So, they end up getting on this ship that is parked at Malta for the winter. So, they got to wait for winter to die down so they can all sail together. And this apparently is a ship from Egypt, from Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Any particular reason why you think that might be an important notation? Well, because... Alexandria was like kind of a, a cultural, educational kind of hotspot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why the twin brothers and who the twin brothers are and yeah. why that's important. It's not really that important. It's, oh. a, it's just a marker of the ancient world. To okay. us contemporary people, it's not that important. Okay. Um, but the Alexandrian ship, yeah, it's, it's a hotspot. Well, I think the other reason that it might be important to note is... What life is Paul living right now? A life of a prisoner. And he's in prison for something that's racially charged. Jews against him. Mm-hmm. Now, not racial in that, you know, that he's not a Jew, mm-hmm. but racial in that it is a sect of the Roman Empire that is upset with him. 
I don't think it's coincidence that Luke chose to note this because he didn't have to, right? Yeah. He could have just said, yeah, we got on the ship and we started sailing again and it was a great time. Um, but he chose to point this out. I think it's the Egypt connection that this is a former oppressor is of helping. the Jews that is now an assistance to someone that's being harmed and oppressed by the Jews. Yeah. I think it, it's literally like a ship of liberation in the metaphor, the storytelling that Luke is providing to us, showing us, dropping all these little, you know, like our contemporary people, we might call them Easter eggs in the story, yeah. right? All these little nuggets that he can find talking about Paul as a typology of the person in pursuit of liberation in the name of Jesus. Um, and unfortunately, it's the religious institution that's oppressing Paul, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the Alexandrian connection is to remind you of the Egypt connection so that you get the liberation kind of vein yeah. as, as we're moving forward. Um, and then we get some really boring text about literally the map they took. Text says, we put in at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. Then we weighed anchor and came to Rehigium. After one day there, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Putioli. There we found believers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. So you got literally like a like a nautical map. And, like, how long they stayed some places, did some things, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's really nothing super special here. Um, They just went to Rome. But the special thing, I think, is the text says, there we found believers. Um, Clayton, tell me what you think. Yeah. There we found believers. And we're invited to stay with them for seven days. So we came to Rome. It seems like uh, there's another trend going here of hospitality from the Malton people. Mm. But now it's not the people of Malta. It's not the natives. Now they're believers. Oh, so what is it? It's a built-in network of hospitality. It's a worldwide network of hospitality. Yeah. Um, Which, let's think about this for a hot minute, okay? If, if you're traveling in a strange place you don't know, yeah, wouldn't it be kind of nice to just have like a, like a universal sign of like, oh, hey, I'm willing to help you. Uh, We have that built-in network now. It's not always worldwide. Sometimes it is. Um, So like a great network example of like something we're talking about is like alumni networks, right? And the biggest one around us is what? Texas A&M and that Mm. stupid ring. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. Um, But... Everybody that wears that ring, if any Aggie sees that ring, you're instantaneously in the club. Yeah. It's just like, it is cultish-like. Yeah, no, it Um, is. And... There's a big Aggie pride. Well, and Aggies give Aggies jobs. Yeah. 
Like Aggies help Aggies. Like these networks help each other. Yeah, yeah. Another example of this um, that would be more worldwide instead of Aggie, right? There are Aggie alumni that have moved on and went elsewhere. But like as far as a actual worldwide built-in network, um, can you think of one? The Freemasons. Mm. They are a worldwide fraternity of young men. Um, Not of young men, of men. Well, of men, Um, but it it started as like they recruit young men and Um, they're just a fraternity. That's, I mean, that's how they market themselves. Five. Fifth. <laughs> Plead the fifth? Fifth. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they, yeah. Remember also, that, that that is a thing that's happening in Malta. Now. What, the Masons? I mean, there's a... Yeah, I mean, there's huge Templar influence there. And Wait, you're making some kind of connection between the Templars and the Masons? Bro, go read the Masonic Bible. Have you? I've read pieces of it. Yeah. They talk about the Templars. The Templars are their higher order. Maybe I need to do some more. I yeah. studied the Masons in college. I don't remember this. Uh, maybe I need to do some more reading on my Templar history and my Mason history. But Yeah, continue. Yeah, the whole point I'm trying to make is that everyone's looking for this network of connection or hospitality, yeah. and they're creating it in certain ways. And here we get a biblical example where... Paul and Luke, as he's writing Acts, are highlighting the ways in which these believers become a network of hospitality for one another, a care network. Mm-hmm. And because when you come to stay with someone, what does that mean? You live in there. You live in there. They feed in you. Like Paul's a prisoner. He don't have any money. They are literally. They're providing. They are providing every need for Paul in that moment. Yeah. Um, And they did it for a week, for seven days. A time of completion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Attaboy. Do you want to say more about that? I mean, it it is just a period of time that is like they met Paul's needs until they no longer Mm -hmm. needed to meet Paul's needs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, For a time of completion. Right. And they completed, they met his needs to completion. Yeah, and that's why the next sentence says, and so we came to Rome. Yeah. Because Paul was completely cared for while in their care. And, then, and so. And then, because of that, we came. now to we go to Rome. Um, verse 15. The believers from there. Interesting. The believers from there, when they heard of us, came as far as the forum of Apias and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Um, it's interesting to me that the island of Malta was framed <clears throat> through hospitality, and it was the natives doing that. And now we're no longer seeing the natives on the island of Malta administer that hospitality. That same hospitality and care is being framed as the believers contributing it to Paul. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened. On the island of Malta, Paul was a giver. Paul gave to them. And this one, Paul's no longer giving to them. It gives back to him. 
when the believers receive him this way, it gives back to him because the text says, on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. These people, these believers are giving something of themselves in order to care for Paul. Yeah. Anytime you see someone do that, it is an encouragement to you in the journey that you are on. That's right. And I think Paul, if I'm being honest, like most travelers in foreign lands where they don't know anyone, are looking for some encouragement. And it encourages Paul. Um, and this is how the text ends, or this, this section of the text. Verse 16, when we came into Rome... Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. Why is it important that Paul got to live by himself? They trusted him. Uh, there was a level of independence that they gave him. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Why else might it be important? Um, I don't know. When you get to live on your own, you have a freedom about you. Yeah. Um, we've seen in other places where these same guards and soldiers allowed Paul, when they would set, like when they dock somewhere, if he had somebody he could go stay with, he could stay with them and his needs would be met, he'd be cared for. Paul's independence allows Paul to do things that have had a lasting impact on Paul's life in ways that nothing else has. Yeah. You know, a great example of this. I got a lot of books on these shelves behind us. Um, my largest collection and probably the most books ever written on the subject of theology about the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Um, is 1,000%. His legacy and the work of Paul has shaped... Christianity in ways that I'm not even sure Jesus has, which is unfortunate. Um, well, I mean, there's there's a lot larger. Uh, Paul built the the structure and institution on what is Jesus, right? So, I mean, Paul has done some massive things. I, w I w don't know if I would go as far as to say that like it's not as much as Jesus uh, because Jesus is the foundation of what we have. No, I hear you. And I'm don't, yeah, I'm not saying that Paul doesn't believe in Jesus or Paul doesn't have Jesus. Um, I, would, I, I just wanted to clarify that statement. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit. Okay. I'm actually going to push back a little bit. Um In Western Christianity, on any given Sunday, 80% of the sermons preached are from 13 books of the New Testament. You are correct. They, by they, the Apostle they Paul. Paul. Um, Christianity has been shaped by the Western world and the way that we've colonized the rest of the world according to our version of the gospel, yep. which has prioritized Paul. Correct. Majority of public publishers are publishing works about Paul and the life of Paul. Um, Paul seems to have more of an impact on Christianity than Jesus does. And the reason I make this argument is actually because of, hang on, let me find it. This one, this book right here. 
Uh, let me see if I can pull it out. Paul follower or founder of Christianity. Interesting. David Winham wrote this book, and I read it when I was in college. Follower of Jesus or founder of Christianity? He's both. Let me say, to your point, he's both. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. But Paul certainly has shaped institutional Christianity in a way that Jesus has not. Oh, absolutely. Um, which was my point. And that, I, 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 I think, you. is a shame. Because if you ask somebody what the gospel is, that's a Western Christian, they're probably going to give you some definition from one of the from five places in Paul's writings, right? Yeah. The Romans 1 one is a pretty, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? Like, that, that one's a pretty common one. Um, whereas, like, if, if somebody really asked that question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Uh, what is the gospel? I really wish they'd answer with an answer of Jesus, which is to love God and love people. Yeah. That's the network that I think Luke is asking Christians to provide for other Christians and people. I think I agree. Is one where we love God and love people.